Welcome to Tashma, the podcast where you get to listen in on Hadar's Beit Midrash. I'm Rabbi Avi Killip. Each week this year, we will hear a Dvar Torah on the weekly Parsha from our Rosh Hashiva, Rabbi Aviva Richmond. Let's listen. Richmond from Hadar, sharing thoughts on Parsha at Matot Maseh. Moshe's second song. In Parshat Maseh, Moshe receives detailed instructions about setting up cities of refuge. Unlike other mitzvot introduced as being relevant to the people when they enter the land, Moshe can actually fulfill this mitzvah, at least in part. He makes sure to set aside the three cities on the east side of the Jordan before he dies. This may seem tragic, a desperate grasp for a taste of entering the land when the full experience is entirely shut off to him. Instead, we can see his efforts as the climax of his life's work, a moment when his heart sang because he so deeply appreciated the meaning and importance of refuge. God tells Moshe in a fair amount of detail the what, how, and why for establishing cities of refuge. Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, You are crossing the Jordan into the land of Canaan, You shall proclaim cities, they shall be cities of refuge for you, and a murderer who killed a person by accident shall flee there. These cities shall be for refuge from the avenger, and the murderer shall not die until standing before a tribunal for judgment. These cities you shall designate shall be six cities of refuge for you. Place three of the cities on the far side of the Jordan, and three of the cities you shall place in the land of Canaan. They shall be cities of refuge. Of the six cities in total, three are meant to be on the east side of the Jordan River. For all of the other land-based mitzvot, Moshe has no chance to participate in them. But for this mitzvah, Moshe can actually fulfill part of it. Early on in the book of Devarim, we see that Moshe sets aside the three cities on the east side of the Jordan. As Yavdil Moshe, then Moshe set aside three cities on the east side of the Jordan River. There's a midrash that sees this as Moshe's insatiable thirst for mitzvot. He's not willing to let go when God says he won't go into the land. Instead, he reaches to do whatever he can of the land-based mitzvot. The rabbis draw an analogy to King David when God tells him he won't build the temple. David could have disengaged from anything having to do with the temple, out of the disappointment or even bitterness he might have felt, knowing that he couldn't do the full thing. Instead, he spurred himself to prepare for the temple. He summoned an enthusiasm to spend the rest of his days preparing for a vision he would never see fulfilled in his lifetime. Similarly, Moshe doesn't shut down and disengage when he discovers he will not fulfill his dream of entering the land. He does everything that is within his grasp, even though it is the tiniest fraction of this dream, says the Midrash. So too Moshe, even though God said to him, you will not cross this Jordan. Moshe said, I am passing from the world. How could I not set aside cities of refuge for them? Immediately, then Moshe set aside three cities on the east side of the Jordan River. Moshe teaches us that when our dreams and vision go beyond what we can fulfill in our own lifetimes, we can enthusiastically seek out the discrete parts we can actually do. But the Midrash finds more significance in Moshe designating the cities. This is not just coincidentally something he could do because he happened to be on the east side of the Jordan River. It is actually deeply intertwined with his own life story. 
Moshe is uniquely positioned to set up cities of refuge because he needed one. The Midrash goes on, another take. Then Moshe designated. Rabbi Levi said, one who ate the dish knows its taste. How so? When Moshe killed the Egyptian and Moshe fled from before Paro. Moshe ran from Paro after he spontaneously killed the Egyptian who was striking an Israelite. He knows what it is like to be a killer on the run. He may not be an accidental murderer as described in our parsha in a strict sense, because he seems to know exactly what he is doing when he kills the Egyptian. But he's not quite a murderer either because he acted out of a righteous desire for defense. Either way, he ends up running to save his own life as a result, abandoning his home and seeking out a place of refuge. And he remembers what it was like to reach safety in the land of Midian. The Midrash teaches that he expressed his sense of relief in song by the well in Midian when he was safe. Rabbi Ibu said, once Moshe fled, he began to recite a song. As it says, he dwelt in the land of Midian and dwelled by a well. Just as Israel recited a song over the well, so too Moshe recited a song over the well. Drawing a linguistic connection between the mention of a well in Midian and the mention of a well in the wilderness, the Midrash posits that Moshe sang a song when he reached safety at the well in Midian, just as the Torah mentions a song at the well in the wilderness. But there may even be another song hinted to in the Midrash, the song Moshe's heart sang when he was able to set up the cities of refuge. Indeed, the phrase Az Yavdil, then he designated, is remarkably reminiscent of the most famous moment of song in Moshe's life, the song of the sea, beginning Az Yashir, then he sang. These phrases start with the same word, Az, and share in parallel an unusual verb tense, Yavdil, like Yashir. Perhaps this means Moshe did not see this designation of three cities of refuge as merely a half mitzvah, as a kind of dirty work, some inglorious pittance he'd have to settle for, rather than settling the land. Rather, to him, it was a culmination of his own personal trajectory, worthy of expressing deep joy, of singing songs of salvation. His heart sings because he's able to create places of safety for others, and he knows personally how redemptive that is. If we are dreaming as big as we could and should, it is likely that we will come to realization that we will not see all of our dreams come true. Moshe teaches us that when we find out we won't be able to fulfill what we hoped was our life's work, that is no time to opt out. We can reach enthusiastically for what is within our reach. We can sink into our own experiences and life trajectories to gain greater clarity on what our unique perspective allows us to see and contribute. Our life's work comes at the intersection of what is doable and what makes our heart sink. If we embrace these contours, instead of feeling despondent about what we won't be able to accomplish, we might leave a mark that is our own small part in the song of redemption. Shabbat Shalom. We'll close with a new melody by Deborah Saxman's Miriam Hanivia. Miriam Hanivia Oz Oz Vizimarami Miriam Hanivia Oz 
This episode of Tashma was produced by Jeremy Tabak and Sam Greenberg. I'm your host, Rabbi Avi Killip. It's been a pleasure to learn with you.